For Self Management Week, we spoke to Heather McCartney, a volunteer at CME, Nick Yezhieski, also from CME, and Angie Ferguson, CEO of Perth Autism Support. For our discussion today, we'll be talking about the experience of those living with social anxiety during the pandemic, as well as the impact of lockdown on people's mental health more generally. We hear how both CME and Perth Autism Support have adapted their services throughout the pandemic to respond to the changing needs of those they support and look to the future to talk about the long-lasting effect of the changes in the way mental health and stigma around it have been talked about during the pandemic. Um, how have you adapted as an organisation to get through um, the disruption from COVID-19? At CME, our aim is to challenge the stigma and discrimination. And a large part of our work is our volunteer programme, which is broken down into different areas of Heather, who's with us today, who does uh, media volunteering, shares her story in the media. We also have community champions, and their role is to go out into their communities, come up with projects and ideas and ways of challenging stigma and discrimination in areas they know best. Obviously, when lockdown came in, they weren't able to do any of that. So, our social movement team developed something called the Anti Stigma Summer Sessions, which we initially trialled during Mental Awareness Week in May. The idea of the event is that we can get people together online to talk about mental health in an area that they really care about. So some of it's been on poetry, had a couple of book readings, uh, we had another event on films. We had one last night actually with two artists and team members who were speaking about it in our exhibition called All Entire Whole and how art helps to talk about mental health. So put on all these events on Facebook Live and just try to give the volunteers who would have been out and about in their communities a different way of connecting. And we really thought that was an important thing to do, particularly at the beginning of COVID when it felt like everyone was talking about COVID and physical health and washing your hands and all those things, which were such important messages. But there was also a bit of a risk. And we had some feedback from some volunteers and we felt that because of there being such a focus on physical health and everything changing, they didn't want to speak about their mental health. They felt like it wasn't the right time, or they might get dismissed, or something like, oh yeah, it's tough for everyone, we're all going through this, and not really have that legitimate concerns taken seriously. So it's been really important for us to find areas where people can still share their experiences, talk about their mental health, feel safe doing that. Thank you. Um, Heather, you're a volunteer at CME. Do you want to speak a little bit about how your roles changed during COVID? Well, from my experience, um, I kind of do interviews. I would sometimes go into, you know, maybe like a television studio and do an interview. Um, just now it's kind of like this, it's podcast, it's, um, you know, maybe doing press releases um, or radio interviews. Um, you know, I'm a bit further away from getting into um, Central just now anyway. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of, it's it's amazing that there's this technology that you can use that can still, you know, spread a really powerful message, um, even if it is just slightly um, different circumstances just now. Okay. And Angie, how, how have you adapted for it, Perth Autism Support? Yeah, I think we've had to really rethink everything. And, and it's interesting kind of to come back to, both points that, that Nick and Heather have talked about because we've had to rethink our entire approach in a lot of ways um, for, for our young people. And 
for one of two reasons, we've seen a, a hugely sharp increase in mental health um, conditions either worsening or or um, perhaps just the cumulative stress and anxiety of the pandemic and as time has gone on has um, created a situation where we are dealing with much higher numbers of young people um, who are really struggling with their mental health. Um, so it's had to be a much more individualised, much more one-to-one -one approach where we always take an individual approach, but it's had to be very much there is no um, opportunity necessarily for group work. And coming back to the technology thing, actually, what's really been interesting has, you know, we all kind of jumped into this digital thing. And I think what was really interesting for us was the assumption, because we work with children and young people, that they would all love this and they would all jump straight into this and be all over this and be really happy about it. Where in actual fact, what we need to remember is that we're working with a group of young people who have sometimes communication barriers and therefore when we're all having to employ so many skills to be online just have a conversation like we're having today actually it's more tiring it's more exhausting you're having to employ many more skills um, that you use in a face-to-face in a -face conversation and actually for a lot of our young people they were just like no I can't do that I can't even bring myself to be in that situation so we then had to address the potential social isolation of these young people and um, because they couldn't get to their regular um, support at PAS so yeah we had to kind of rethink everything but I think the other thing for me as well was also rethinking our staff team you know this wasn't just about our young people, this was about our staff team who can potentially sometimes work in a really emotionally charged environment with, with our young people and actually rely so much on that natural conversation that happens in the office of I'm having a bit of a tough day. Have you got five minutes till I talk to you about something or get your ideas? And and we couldn't do that. That natural intuitive conversation didn't happen. So it was also for us about balancing the mental well-being of our staff, as well as thinking about how we changed and were flexible in our approach to service in terms of our young people. So how did you challenge that kind of social isolation that, that was felt by those young people you mentioned that a lot of them found it really overwhelming to be um, on Zoom calls all day? How did you kind of overcome that with them? So it looked different pretty much for every young person, to be honest, and still at the end of, I mean, we're back um, part working at home, part working in the office now because of the services that we provide. Um, but we literally had some young people that we couldn't reach and had to support them through supporting their parents, carers, family members to be able to support them. Um, for other young people, it was a case of building it really, really slowly. So it might be rather than coming on a call with two or three other young people, it was with one staff member and it would be five minutes just to say, hi, how are you doing? And then build up to 10 minutes and then build up to 15 minutes. And we never did any one-to-one -one work over half an hour, but we normally have our long appointment sessions. We never did anything over half an hour um, just because of that exhaustion factor. So, you know, we still had some people that we still couldn't reach 
just by the very nature of their their barriers that they had or felt that they had. Um, so yeah, it was about being creative. It was about being dynamic, and I think probably what's shown me and you know speaking across the the, the um, nationally across Scotland across the sector, I think what it has done is really compounded the fact that we all know that the third sector can be really dynamic, really flexible, and really change our approach very very quickly. And I think that the the pandemic has been a perfect time for us to showcase as a sector that we do have the, the skills and the resource and the ability to be able to do that. So yeah, there wasn't one size fits all. It wasn't a, if somebody can't engage, then we'll do X, Y, and Z. It had to look different for, for every young person, depending on what their, their worries were. Um, yeah, I think what you've you've touched on there is um, how fast we all kind of adapted to going into lockdown. Um, so I'm quite interested in the experience of um, those that you support um, about how it felt with the social anxiety going into lockdown versus how we're going to come out of it, how we're going to support people back through that transition. Um, because I feel like when we started, everything just had to happen so fast, but maybe managing that transition back and how that's how, how you think that's going to look for people, how you've been planning for that? I think what we've seen in both, I guess, the staff and our volunteers is it's kind of come in waves. So first, in some of our volunteer programmes, you know, these volunteers seemed like really, really keen. They wanted to do, they wanted to carry on all of the momentum that they before. Previously, they did a lot of work in schools, training, um, teachers, and 60 people in how to talk about mental health, how to kind of get in common language, doing mental health state training and talking about stigma discrimination as well. So they were really keen um, and you know, here a couple of different ideas of activities they could do. But it wasn't too long, maybe only a few weeks until actually they felt like this was a really, really difficult time. And so there's been so many surveys of young people lockdown lay down survey that came out things like that that have shown that this has such a huge effect on young people's mental health and they didn't then feel able to, to volunteer and, and do what they were doing and then we um, had to completely change just doing fun activities with them like uh, one of our youth workers actually like she dyed her hair blue so she had a video called of like uh, what, she, what she did to dye her hair she always has different color hair but she thought that she'd do that as a kind of chat along thing and get people together and just different little activities like that. And then some of the volunteers, a few of them came to do a bit more of the actual volunteer type stuff they did before. And then it died away a bit again. And similar with some of our adult volunteers, they were really, really engaged with the anti-stigma session that I mentioned. Really engaged to get involved and do that and have sort of video call meetings and workshops and things. But then that also died away a bit. And then they seemed struggling because it's gone for so long so i think as we come out of it which is a very long way to answer the question i think as we come out of it it's going to be similar it's going to be kind of up and down and, and in cycles a little bit of people feeling like yes i want to get back out there and then going oh no maybe i'm not confident about that yet and then going back again and see everyone everyone has mental health everyone struggles everyone will deal with things differently and it's just got to be about taking it at the pace that's right for people because there's no right or wrong way to feel in this situation or to about it either. 
Thank you. That was interesting. Um, I also wanted to ask a little bit about how the kind of uncertainty surrounding the pandemic has affected those that you work with. Um, has that been quite a big factor in how how this lockdown has gone? I think so, yeah. I'd say uh, it's never knowing what's going to happen can have a huge effect on, it, on everyone's mental health. And it also isn't particularly easy to talk about either because it's hard to know what to say when, like, I guess, Helen, we spoke about this a lot as well before, like when you first struggle with your mental health, it's hard to know how what to, exactly what's going on because it's never happened to you before. So finding the words and we're in a situation now where lots of people will be struggling with mental health for the first time in a situation that no one's lived through before. So I think, again, it can be quite hard for people to talk about how they're feeling. It's really important for all of us, I guess, to support those around us if we think they're going through a tough time and asking, are you OK? Asking twice if you need to and show that you actually do care and you do want to listen and it's not just kind of a, a tokenistic. Um, thank you. Um, I'd also like to ask you all um, whether there's anything that you think you'd like to, um, that anything that you think will, you hope will stay the same as after we return to normal, any changes that have actually been positive that have come out of everything that's happened over the last six months. Um, Heather? I think um, a lot of people are kind of finding themselves a lot more connected with themselves and like, who they are and how they're kind of slightly more in touch and engaged with how they feel, um, which I think is really important because I think it has opened up a discussion when people, you know, you do see on the media um, people talking about the, the kind of the next pandemic is going to be people's mental health following on from this utterly bizarre situation that we've been kind of thrust into. Um, and I think that that's um, really um, you know, quite a good thing to come out of it. I noticed as well that people were really connected with nature when when kind of lockdown happened. So people being able to go out for walks, being able to see the seasons change, you know, like watching spring, watching summer, there wasn't planes flying overhead so you could hear the birds in the trees, all this kind of thing, um, which has really helped um, a lot of people, um, you know, myself included, um, and yeah, I just think it's been like the, the positives that have come out for it, I would say, are people being more connected with like who they are, being comfortable to talk to people. And I think that like as Nick said, it's, um, you know, asking people if they're OK, if you've not heard from them for a while, not feeling that you need to be an expert on mental health to have a chat with somebody about their mental health. Um, you know, just anyone, you know, you just kind of think, oh, they're maybe not because particularly just now when we're looking through social media as our way of connection, you know, sometimes somebody posts something and you kind of go, oh, wait a minute, that doesn't seem kind of like their normal thing to be talking about. Or they maybe have said, I've just had a rubbish day with my mental health. Everything's getting on top of me. Well, then you can reach out to them. You know, if it's somebody that you um, know well, or it's maybe a friend of a friend, you know, just you know, put it out there and say that you care because I think that has a big impact. And I think that is what I would like to take away from the whole situation that we've been through. And Andre, is there anything from your perspective that you're hoping will will kind of be maintained? Yeah, I think there's there's probably a couple of things for for us in terms of, you know, not just um, the young people that we support here, but across the piece. I think that um, 
it's given us an opportunity and a, and permission to stop. You know, life is so hectic and we bat from one thing to the next and we, we don't feel we're succeeding unless our diaries are completely full and we're, we're rushing about here, there and everywhere and, and you know, socialising and working and doing all these things. And actually, it's really brought home to me and certainly my group of friends and my family that actually it's okay to just stop and sit down for five minutes. Um, so I hope we take that forward. I hope we don't completely barrage our lives full of stuff again um, and take some time for us. And I think secondly, I think probably the, the other bit in terms of the young people is I hope that people continue to be flexible because I think the particular and I'm, when I'm thinking about that I'm thinking particularly around education which is a, a huge trigger for anxiety for a lot of our young people with the you know they might be fine with the academic stuff but the environment and the social demands within the education setting and actually so many of our young people said you know I was built for this I was built for lockdown because actually I get to do my school work without all the tricky bits so what I really hope is that we don't go back to the old normal and the new normal is a bit more dynamic and a bit more individually focused and a bit more flexible and a bit friendlier um, for some um, parts of our community. Perfect, thank you. Um, I think this is something that you've all touched on a little bit, but I wanted to ask a specific question about it. Um, so I know that CME has a really large focus on tackling stigma and discrimination. Um, and as you mentioned, Heather, we have seen a lot of talk and kind of public focus on mental health issues um, on social media and stuff. Um, uh, the longer the pandemic um, progressed. Um, do you think that this is something that um, provides us with an opportunity to kind of progress the overall aims of CME? Um, as we move on to the future. I do, yeah. I think that having everyone much more aware of their mental health and affect their mental health should really help to open up the discussion to a whole group of about that before who have never considered that they have mental health. And that's part of the challenge always faces. Right? Ultimately, seeing this challenge to stigma discrimination towards people who are experiencing mental health problems or struggling with their mental health. But to even get to that stage, you get them to recognise that they have it in the first place. And even if they're struggling, they still have it, it's just good. Um, so I think this whole thing is really helping people recognise that, yeah, they do have mental health and it can be massively affected by things. and. Also, the amount of people who will be, I guess, who, who would have experienced bereavement through this process, who have experienced a lot of stress, who may have lost their jobs, um, or, or just been through the period of furlough, or who have been still in work and massively overworked because half of the staff aren't there anymore. Um, young people as well who, like, their whole lives have changed in this sort of process of what it used to be. It may be that you can get something better out of it, as Andrew was saying there, but all of these factors have made people think more about how they're feeling and more aware of those feelings, and that will hopefully be something that will carry on and see me can really drive forward with that message that we all have mental health, and it's important to talk about that, to look after it, and not to judge anyone or to 
dismiss anyone if they are struggling with it, because we've all seen now that it, it could be any of us. Thank you. Thank you all for, for joining me. That was really um, good. Thank you for um, bringing all of your, your views to the table. It's really valued. You can find the Alliance Live podcast on all major podcast streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Alliance Live also produce webinars, video interviews and case studies. Watch these by visiting www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. That's www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. To follow along regularly with Alliance Live content, use the hashtag Alliance Live on Twitter.